1: Coach Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Sunday. We're going to talk some USC football, of course, that's what we do here on the Parastyle Podcast. The Trojans defeat the Oregon State Beavers 38-10 to in the Coliseum. It was a 1 p.m. kickoff, about 95 degrees uh, when the game got started, so it was a hot one out there. We're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde uh, about what he thought, what he saw out there on the Coliseum field. And we're going to get a lot of questions from you if you have any questions or comments for us, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. You can text or call 424-254-9141. That's 424-254-9141. We're also, uh, you can find us on iTunes, itunes.com slash Podcast. We're on Google Play and Stitcher Radio and TuneIn Radio. And if you'd like to leave a, some positive feedback at any of those places, a five-star rating, we would really appreciate that. And let's bring in the coach who we also really appreciate. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. His website is harveyhide.com. What's up, coach? How you doing?
0: Well, here we go again, buddy. Another Sunday, uh, after a great weekend of college football and, uh, NFL football. I, I know it's exciting for people too, but I'm excited to do the podcast. And again, uh, uh another game with a lot of discussions, another victory. And I think the W is what you go after. But I would say that you sometimes—I used to say it—and you read it all the time. And people say, you know, uh, you win ugly, but you win. And the whole point of this Oregon State game was to get the W. But we'll discuss how that came about here after we get started.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely do that. And wanted to thank our sponsor for the podcast, Southern California Tickets. You can go to sctickets.com or give them a call at one eight hundred. Eight 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 seven two eight seven Dodgers. You got MLB playoffs. If you want to uh, go to any of those kind of games, of course USC's got a home game coming up next weekend against Utah. Huge matchup in the Pac-12 South. Uh, all five of the six teams in the Pac-12 South have one loss. Colorado's the only winless team, but USC's three and one, so in a better position. But obviously picking up a second loss in this one in the South would be huge. So huge game for USC coming up there. So go to sctickets.com and they will help you out. Um, okay, Coach, so before we jump into the questions, we actually got a couple of voicemails that were similar. Uh, we had one from Ryan in Orange County and one from Thomas all the way in Bali. Um, crazy. So Now, they both have the same uh, theme. I just want to kind of give you the theme of what they were. They did not like that I was uh, – it sounds like I'm complaining about questions that we get here on the podcast. So I just want to clarify things. Certainly, that's not what we want. Um, you know, we've talked about uh, record numbers. We've never had more people listening to the podcast. But that doesn't mean we want to ignore what people are saying. Um, obviously, you can't keep everyone happy. What I'm trying to say, what the questions are, it, it is a little bit overwhelming at times. People want to hear, like, how, you know, behind the scenes and all that stuff. They're like, hey, everyone has hard jobs. That's fine. All I want to do is convey that if you do send in a question that's, like, two pages long, uh, it, we're not going to be able to read it. And when we, when people, we don't read their questions, people like write in like, Hey, why didn't you read my question? So I'm just trying to make it clear, Hey, this is kind of what we're doing. If the voicemails are too long, uh, we can't really play them. They just take up too much time. So that, that's all it's about. It's not about, Hey, stop asking questions. We really want this. We, since we started this 10 years ago, this has been a question driven podcast. And if you've, there's other podcasts, I mean, especially there's plenty of USC podcasts out there. It's not like we want to turn people away. That's what, um, you know, they're saying like, no, I mean, even though our numbers are great, we never want to do anything like that. We always want to try to keep as many people happy as possible. Um, but we, yeah, we love questions. It's a question driven show. If we wanted to change the direction of the show and just make it segments and Harvey Hyde and I just kind of tell you what we think or Dan or whatever, we could do that. But, you know, we've got a lot. And if you listen to our show last week, I mean, I did four podcasts myself and the whole thing, I mean, hours worth of questions. So, we really do try to get to every, I, I don't like to skip questions. Um, and maybe sometimes I should, uh, you know, we'll see, but I try to get them all in. And that's why I wanted to try to convey like, Hey, try to keep them shorter. If you can keep them concise. If you want to bring up 10 points, we can't really do it. So certainly not, um, trying to say, Hey, we hate answering questions. That's basically all we do. And we love doing it. And I think it's a great way to. Get your thoughts out there. I love playing voicemail questions because you can feel the tone of what you're saying. I don't have to read it. And it's, you know, you can actually get a feel for if there's anger or happiness or outrage, whatever it is, you can kind of get a feel for it. So um I know Coach, you like answering questions, but I apologize for people out there if you feel like uh, I'm complaining and bitching too much about the questions. I really I just want to make sure we can get to them all so I'll let you know kind of what the, the guidelines are to send them in.
0: No, we understand that, and, and uh, one reason he says this is I can't remember the whole question, okay? And, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's hard, No, it is hard
1: sometimes when there's, like, five points. It's like, okay, what was the second yeah. point again?
0: Yeah, and I, and I want to answer all your questions, okay? I'd rather have you send in five questions and have them separate than me trying to remember them all. And remember, this is all Ryan's fault. it's not my fault i'll answer them all you can make it a thesis if you want it's all ryan's fault okay i gotta blame somebody
1: it is it is um just blame me do not blame anyone else but we 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 had an international question about that so i wanted to address it for you guys thanks for uh for writing in um and or calling in we do have a so this is the voicemail question we have today coach is before the game so he was kind of making uh a little premonition here. Let me play this one for you and get your reaction.
0: Hey, Ryan, this is Eric, Sir Eric of Troy from Rancho Cucamonga. I want you to make note that I'm calling uh, before the Oregon State game, before kickoff. I want to say that I'm I'm really disappointed, actually. I know there's nothing we can do about it, but uh, but I wish that we were uh, playing a tougher opponent uh, today because I got a feeling we're going to blow these guys out and Clay Helton's going to think that uh, our ship has been righted. Uh, you know, as far as coaching and everything is concerned. So do me a favor. After this game, please tell me if you saw improvement in the coaching and improvement in the players, regardless to whether the score uh, is reflected that way or not, okay? Uh, thanks so much, Ryan. Fight on. I absolutely love this show. Um, so I'll be listening for my answer. Sir Eric of Troy, Rancho Cucamonga. Thanks. Well, thank you very much for checking in with us. Uh, good question, really, uh, because uh, you're asking it before it really happened. And now you want an honest a- answer to what I, what I saw, in fact, and what Ryan saw. I think they played down to the competition. I don't think they lined up and beat the, you know, what out of them. I think they played a, a game where you look at the score 38 to 10, you think, oh, pretty good game. But if you look at the progress of the team as far as execution, rhythm, there were uh, not consistent. They had some good series. They had some good rhythm on offense. They had some good defense. They had some good, uh, pass rush. They broke down sometimes. But again, uh, you know, they did not play a championship tile of football game. Uh, I think they've got to raise their level in order to compete against the University of Utah. They've got to run the ball against Utah and Utah has one of the top, uh, defensive, uh, rushing game defenses now stanford had a great game last night against them and rushing the football but i think they've got to play at a higher consistency and a more consistent intensity type of level they can't have turnovers they can't have muff punts they can't have the things where you beat yourself and yesterday i saw an opportunity that if oregon state wasn't a level of football team of which they were other teams would have really taken advantage of USC and beaten USC. So, uh, no, uh, I think they got the W, and I said it earlier when we started the show. You know, you always hear about a win and you win ugly, but you got the W. I think it was a type that type of game. Did they get better? No, they, I don't think they got better during this game. Did they accomplish some things? I think they did. And we could talk about those here during the show. But thank you very much for your question.
1: Yeah, thanks for the question. And, uh, it's funny. That's, I, I, I sense that, you know, Serek of Troy just knew kind of what was going to happen that this is a really bad Oregon State team and you're going to beat them by a lot, like almost no matter what. And USC gave a bunch of, you know, turnovers in the red zone, all this kind of stuff. And Oregon State wasn't good enough to take advantage of them. So, uh, he kind of, he kind of saw that one coming, coach.
0: No, you you're exactly right. And, you know, if you were watch, if you were to watch this game, And you never watched the two teams play before. You didn't know who they were. You would say both teams are terrible. You would say neither team wanted to win the game. So, you know, it wasn't one, I would say, that if you were a coach or a player or a fan, you'd be satisfied with. But you're satisfied with it only because you got the W. I think that's the best way to explain it.
1: Yeah, and I I think it was a satisfying, it was not a satisfying win, but it was definitely a necessary win. They had to get back um, and, and get back to winning ways. So uh, I know it wasn't satisfying for a lot of USC fans, but it was necessary. Um, Eric and Rosemead text us and it sent us a text message and said, hello, crisis negotiators, coach and Ryan. I know USC won, but it was a totally uninspiring win against a terrible opponent. I wanted to take a nap. They're not getting better. Everything is out of shock information. They don't huddle. Same plays over and over. No creativity whatsoever. Not to mention the defensive backs get beat all the time. It's really tough to watch because once the ball gets thrown deep, it's usually a completion for the opposing team. We wait all week for this. Coach, they need you on the sidelines. I said it last week in jest, but maybe they should call Norm Chow. Matt Fink looks promising, and Olsen makes me reevaluate myself. Um, Jake Olson, I think he's talking about, who had a, another uh, snap uh, for a PAT. Looking forward to your inside fight on Eric from Rosemead. Uh, real quick though, Jack Jones had a, an awesome interception, uh, in that game. So I thought he did a, did a real good job breaking on the ball. Uh, and the defense didn't give up much. They got the, you know, they stopped Oregon State when they got the ball and plus territory and all that. So I, I, I have a harder time kind of complaining about the defense, but get your thoughts on there, coach.
0: Well, you know, uh, yeah, I, I would, character or or try to explain the game and I've talked to a lot of people and I think the uh, best way to explain the game I thought it was boring what I mean by excitement and uh, not executing properly I mean both teams Uh, not a lot of uh, excitement in the football game uh, hot day uh, not a 100% effort if I watched Uh, Each individual player closely, I saw 80% efforts uh, on the defensive side of the ball. If the ball went the other way, you sometimes loped. Uh, You know, just that type of football game I watched. Not one that you want to watch on film. Not one that you want to watch on film and feel you got better at, but one you might want to point out some things saying, if we continue to give that effort, we're not going to win. And we're fortunate to get that W and it's fortunate you're playing Oregon State that day. And of course you may, may have played better if you'd have played against a team that had a, you know, a better record or wasn't one in four and was not a very good football team. But again, you've got to get better at what you're doing executed wise and also, uh, what you're doing on the offensive side of the football and the defensive side of the football. And on the offensive side of the football, I still don't see the things we talk about. We see them occasionally. We see them happen when we, and you know if you're a regular listener, what I talk about as far as spreading the field, not throwing into coverages, finding out who your receiver group is, and we can talk about that later. All these things that, uh, as I mentioned about the offense, it's a one-back offense you're running, but you don't run two backs. You used your tight end a lot yesterday as a second back as a wing set or a H-back. Uh, and when you did uh, run the football with a running back, when Matt Fink came in the game, he got a 51-yard touchdown pass, but no one on the defensive side of the football thought you'd ever do that. And you did it. Well, this is what we've been talking about the entire season as far as he's got to be a running back. Not only do you run it outside, you run it inside, you run it all over the place with that quarterback. And USC limits itself with what the design of the offense is, and and we can go through all the other things too, two back sets, and all the ways of correcting it. Uh, but again, I did not see that improvement with the offense,
1: Coach. Um, a lot of the questions have to deal with uh, Sam Darnold. So the next few, we're gonna. Talk a lot about Sam Darnold. He's got uh nine interceptions, he had three touchdowns in the game, over three hundred yards. It looked more Sam Darnold like. I thought there was a you know a couple of nice touchdown passes. The one to uh Tyler Vaughn's was was nice. He was wide open, but the one to Deontay Burnett wasn't as open, and that looked like a dime. That looked like Sam Darnold from last year. But a lot of people concerned about Sam Darnold. So these next uh series of questions will be about him. One the first one's a text question. He said Sam Darnold said, and so this was after the game, I can sense defenses are focusing on tendencies of ours, and maybe we need to change some play calls. Is that Sam's way of saying uh, there are issues behind closed doors? When you were a coach, did you ever have conflict within your coaching staff? And if you did, could the player sense that? Is this a possible uh, reason the players seem confused and there's no identity to this offense? Thanks for the entire team for getting the Trojan family through each game week, Clayton, uh, from Santa Clarita, class of 2011, and Stephen uh, Steven San Diego had the same, basically the same question and wanted to know if, uh, you could change coordinators, uh, midseason. So these guys think that the, a lot of the Sam's problems have to do with the offensive play calling. Get your thoughts on that, coach.
0: Well, you know, sometimes you get frustrated and sometimes, and what I think Sam, Sam is trying to do is, He's trying to try too hard. He's trying to overcome some of the things that he's flustered with. I mean, he's throwing into where receivers have double coverage or triple coverage. You're throwing into the strength of the coverages. You're not allowing things to develop. Uh, you don't throw the ball down the field. You don't test their corners five or six times a game. And if you don't complete the pass, you might get a pass in- interference penalty once or twice. Uh, and at least you're loosening up the defense. Uh, You don't throw corner routes. Uh, You threw one or two. You threw one in the last game, and you completed it to Tyler Vaughn. You threw one in this game. You completed it to Dante Burnett. You threw a deep post pattern to Taylor Vaughn, and he was wide open, because they never even anticipated the route to go down the field and the safety bit on the drag coming across the field. So you've got to loosen up the coverages. You've got to loosen it up now. Obviously, they don't feel they have a deep receiver because they really don't test the corners. And the corners aren't intimidated at all because of the routes you run and the depth you throw your routes at. You have no intermediate types of routes. Yesterday, what I thought they improved on was the stop route with Tyler Vaughn, and he knew where the sticks were. And they got several of first downs that way. But I, I can see his frustrations because... Here's what happens. A young man comes away from football and he goes into the environment on campus or with parents or his past high school coaches or people, and they discuss football. It's not just in the football office, okay? And people talk about this, and he hears all this, and he wants to be loyal, of course, to everything that's going on, but he knows what's happening. He knows that it's being very difficult on him to be successful because of some of the things that are happening out on, like rollouts. They did a lot of rollouts in the past to roll away from the pressure, and he did very well with that. They did some yesterday, but then they stopped. I mean, make them stop something. Do it until they can't stop it anymore. Uh, don't get away from the running game. Run the running game. Run the stretch. Run outside. Put pressure on them. Run the bootlegs. Run some counter plays. No counter plays. Whatsoever. Yeah, they ran a fly play. I'm not just talking about a fly play or jet play. I'm talking about a come back around where you, you start one way, you take a jab step, step, you, we used to call it slide two steps, come back, let your guards get in front of you and run off side, tackle to the weak side. Be a power type of football team. I see nothing that gives me a indication they, they are more of a technique than they are a power team. They're more or less a soft team on offense. They're not a pounding team, and it demonstrates that as far as what you see on the goal line. So these are the things that bother him. This kid didn't start playing football this year or last year. This kid's been playing football and being tutored in quarterback camps in high school for 10 years. So he knows football. It's not that he doesn't do football, know football, and he's being very loyal. So that. Maybe slipped out, or maybe it didn't. And you know, I think probably one of the things that statement caught my eye. But I think the k- statement that caught my eye too was a white, white statement. The cornerback from Oregon State, when asked about USC, and he says, "There's nothing special." And and correct me if I am if I'm wrong there, Ryan. That was his statement. Because uh, you know, when you play USC, you expect something like, "Oh my gosh, I hope I live through this." And uh, I don't think many teams are experiencing that. And they, the myth of the uh, "you better take uh, extra blood with you for transfusions" maybe not not be there right now. I think they may lack some toughness. And uh, I hate to say that after a 38 to 10 win, but you're going to play some teams that have some toughness. And you better be able to slug back and not get knocked out on the line of scrimmage.
1: Hey coach, I'll give you the uh I give you the quote here. Um so you're talking about Oregon State cor- cornerback uh Kyle White. And now right. I I talked to a uh uh Oregon State staffer who I knew when he worked at uh Fresno State a little bit in the tunnel after the game and he was saying, Yeah, they um they were down to their fourth and fifth string cornerbacks. I mean, this was a team that's more banged. USC's banged up. This was a team that's more banged up than USC, and obviously not nearly as talented as USC. But Kyle White said, I think USC was USC. Nothing special. As a defense, we should have come out and executed as we tried to. We need to get better and better. We work hard each week, getting better every day. Offensively, they have things they have to correct. Uh, we have things we have to correct. Uh, I think we shot ourselves in the foot, defensively and offensively. Their TDs were plays. There were little mistakes by us and things we need to correct, myself included. I feel like their offense was exactly what we thought it would be, and we were ready, and we prepared all week. We have to go back to square one and work hard to fix our mistakes. And then on Sam Darnold, he said, nothing special. He's a normal Pac-12 quarterback. I didn't see anything special. He made his throws. He made his reads. He fumbled twice. He had one picked off. Should have been three. He's okay. A lot of the plays he made is because we shot ourselves in the foot. Um he, we We were over down and dist- we went over down and distance formations personnels we knew who would be in what spot we knew the reads that we had to do as DBs a lot of the things that happened in the game we anticipated the only problem we had were little technique problems we have to make sure we cover the details and work on the little things so he's not coming away impressed with anything that USc did I guess you would say
0: no and again we talk about the you know uh don't worry about the backside. Don't worry about deep routes. Don't worry about, they did run runs one screen that uh, shocked me and it worked pretty good. Keeping a team off balance on defense. Keep them thinking on defense. Uh, You know, a lot of things like that. They're very vanilla. And I'm sure they have tendencies uh by field position as far as hash marks, middle of the field, and also down distance as far as who's in the game and those types of tendencies. Again, at the Receiver position, they played a little bit of, again, uh, rotations. Too many for me, and I can't believe they got Grimes in the game to, uh, and burned a redshirt year on that. I, I, I'd I never understand that. Yeah, I that was interesting.
1: Don't. That was definitely interesting.
0: That, that was absolutely, to me, that's the question I want answered. Why would you put him in the game for one play, catch a pass, and burn a redshirt year. I, I, I just don't understand. Someone, I just got to explain that to him, But you have a, so many receivers now. Let the young ones that are going to play catch these balls, okay? Uh, I just, I don't know. That was very interesting. I guess you said it best. I won't say what I want to
1: say. <laughs> that was very interesting. Um, okay, so Tim at Costa Rica, thank you for the international question. He said, Costa Rica, Tim, lots of criticism of Sam going on. Certainly, speaking of man, I was getting tweets like bench Sam, play Matt Fink, and then Matt Fink gets no, that long no, touchdown. No. It was pretty funny, but lots of criticism of Sam. Certainly has made some poor decisions. I would like coach to comment about why. My opinion is twofold. His offensive line is not as good as, uh, is not as, I'm sorry. His offensive line has not as a group imparted any confidence to Sam that they consist, can, 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 can consistently protect him. Man, I'm struggling with this one. Sorry. That's why he gets happy feet so quickly, which leads to making decisions too quickly. The other observation is that his receivers are not getting consistent separation, so most of his throws are going to have to be perfect. Coach Hyde, your thoughts. Tim in Costa Rica.
0: Tim in Costa Rica, you've been watching the same game, I think I have. I think as it goes along he is losing confidence i think he does uh not get his complete reads now because he feels he has to hurry he doesn't have the confidence of of staying in there and be able to step up in the pocket and the confidence he isn't going to get hit from the blind side and he's trying to make things happen Uh, i i i agree with that and he isn't getting separation and he isn't they aren't spreading the field and He's got to get to know who these receivers are. And one thing that bothers me, why does it take so long to discover these guys at USC? Who's going to play? I don't understand why it takes so long to discover Follow. I mean, Follow's a great player. was a great player out of high school. When I watched him catch that pass, and he ran like a tight end. He looks like a tight end. He looks like a man. I mean, uh what's the deal? He's going to be the next one. I was talking about Tyler Vaughn now for six weeks. If they let follow play, he'll be the next great tight end so i uh, I don't know not that Petit hasn't gotten better, but how long have we been yelling at utilize the tight ends? Now they're utilizing them a little bit, okay? They got three or four catches yesterday, one for a touchdown, one for big yards when they needed it. But you've got to utilize these guys. Petit caught one over the middle when they threw it. There was three guys around him. He took a hit. But he went up for the ball. He didn't shy away. He caught the ball. I like that. I like to see toughness in a receiver. I like to see he's not intimidated with all of that and so on. So, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, uh, did I answer that completely, Ryan?
1: I, I think so. We'll-, we'll keep going, too. Um, but the-, the point about confidence Actually, was texting with a former NFL scout about what he thought, and he he said that same word, confidence. Um, and as as unsatisfying as, as many of the fans that wrote in and tweeted us and posted on the message boards felt in this win, I think you kind of needed to get Sam some more confidence. And having you know, so you're looking at his touchdowns, the one to uh, Tyler Vaughn's, he was wide open. Uh, that was nice. The the uh, the uh, not Nico, Nico fala um josh so josh follow the the tight end streaking down the right side he was basically waving at sam Darnold because no one was covering him there was one corner on that side and two receivers two tight ends actually so uh, if i'm not mistaken so wide open yeah there, there was
0: there was a wing back he was yeah
1: yeah so wide open there and then the the one to Burnett was a tighter throw uh but it was really nice but getting two like almost gift you know uh touchdowns there i think certainly can help uh his confidence and then you know, the, the comments he made about the tendencies and stuff, that could be some internal frustration coming out a little bit where, you know, he would like to see something. He, when, if you're there and you feel like every time you snap the ball, people are like defensive linemen are like on the snap count and they're, they're rushing in right away and they, they always seem to be in the defense that's better suited to the plays you're running. I think that's something that he'd look at and just be like, man, like it's, it's, there's there's times in college football where plays should be fairly easy cuz you put your players in a in a great, you know, scheme-wise, schematic-wise, you put them in a great position to win. And if he feels like every time he gets back there, he has to make some ridiculous play to make the play work, I think that can be that can be demoralizing and that can hurt your confidence too.
0: No, there's no question about it. We said it earlier. He's got all this weight on his shoulders because he knows that he's got to carry this team offensively. He does. They run a couple of plays. They run that little reverse uh play. Not a reverse play, but he uh, he reverse pivots and turns around. They call that play action. I do, too. But I don't know what the play that comes off of and uh throws the ball down the field. That's when he hit Tyler Vaughn on. You know, if they were to run some counter sweeps and be able to come back off of that and and force those safeties and defensive backs to come off to, and try to make a tackle, they'd have people wide open. But they don't come back to the backside at all with any type of counter sweep or or anything and you know they do have tendencies. Let's just face it. And they have tendencies that he's never gonna carry the football, so why even cover him? You know they and why not use a two back set because it might work. So I, I don't understand uh it's not the number of plays you run. It's how you run the plays you have and the series you have. And everybody understands that if they're doing this, we do that. It's not a playbook that's a 100 pages. If you supposedly have the best players, then it's keeping it simple, executing them, and they know what to do, and you run that offense. You recruit to fit an offense, and they haven't done that.
1: Yeah, uh, good points there. Let's see. Neil in Manila, another international question. For you, Coach, he said, what are the ways the coaching staff can help Sam – so that he can trust the offensive line more? Thanks and fight on, Neil and Manila. Well,
0: first of all, have him block better. <laughs> I, I think that'd be the first thing. I really do. And that last question I didn't answer, can you make an offensive coordinatorship uh, change during the regular season? I think you can. The Cincinnati Bengals did it, and since that time they're playing good uh, football, and I hate to say that you have to do that, and I'm not suggesting that at all. But I didn't ask answer the question and I wanted to make sure I oh, answered
1: yeah, the question. My bad. Sorry about that. Okay.
0: No, no, I forgot that. And this and this gentleman's question was what again?
1: Okay, I'm sorry. So uh as far as the offensive line goes, what can Yeah, the
0: offensive line, yeah. Well the offensive line, you know, you've heard me talk about the offensive line. I I coached offensive line for years. And that's remember they gotta be a unit. They gotta believe in themselves. There are five guys that play together there're five guys that aren't going to get much glory there're five guys that have self pride among their group uh, they hang out together they do everything together and uh they've got to be able to think for each other one mind thinks and they all do it do it together and i don't see that sometimes really happening uh for big guys i'd like to see them be tougher uh, i'd like to uh, you know see that type of uh i don't know uh physicality uh you know sometimes i've questioned who's playing what position you know that and i think sometimes it's hard to run uh counter sweep and do a couple of things with your guards i saw chris brown pull twice yesterday on a power play off tackle uh that was good to see uh and 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 these things you know but you know it's it's just getting them to play together and understanding who they block and have the pride as far as getting off the football and kicking somebody's butt. Basically, that's what it is. It isn't like, you know, uh, you know. You bring your lunch pail, I bring mine, and hey, let's just meet right here and just find out who's the best. You know, that's the attitude you have to have to play on the lines, both offensively and defensively. You know, occasionally, you know, (laughs) I know you people are going to think I'm crazy when I say this, but I, I, I don't think it's, The competitiveness in practice brings this. And I didn't mind it. Sometimes my guys would fight each other. If you ever hold me again on a pass rush, I'm going to kick your butt because the guys want to win in practice, not just in the game. He has the pride to win all the time. And I remember when Davis and Ogeron coached at USC at the same time, they wanted to fight each other. If your guy ever reaches and slaps my guy in the helmet again, I'm coming after you, Davis used to say. And he was telling Orgeron that. And Orgeron was telling Davis, if your guy holds my guy again on the pass rush, I'm coming after you. And all of a sudden, these defensive players and offensive players take the attitude of these coaches and they say, hey, we're going to play the same way. So you got to be a tough guy to play in the trenches. And I think that you know a lot of things they do now is more or less just mirroring you and dancing with you and playing music. Hey, knock somebody's head off, man. Get off the football, both sides of the football.
1: Uh, one last one kind of on that same line. So this is from Bear Secutor. He said, Coach Hyde, now this was he rewatched the Washington State game. He said, I was struck by how sharp uh, Mike Leach and Clancy Pendergast are as co- coordinators With the in-game speed chess, and they have a very robust menu of plays and formations to choose from. And call them quickly and confidently. Adjustments are made in real time, i.e. the next play, not the next series, let alone the next half. Football is a unique team sport. There's enough pauses within the game for coaching to matter greatly, unlike hockey or basketball, but not enough to be leisurely in your decisions. uh, Baseball. And I'll give you a quick side note. Um, Shotgun Spratling pointed this out in his, uh, participation chart that he put up, uh, in his article that, uh, they, they were, Washington State was spreading USC out in the game and having a lot of success. Um, so, and, uh, John Houston was having some troubles covering guys. So they brought in, uh, Matt Lopes, who's a safety, to come in and play linebacker. The, so two of the next three plays, Mike Leach just ran right at him. So one adjustment made by Pendergast, bringing him a safety to play linebacker, and Leach instantly countered. So I thought that was a really – I think that's kind of showing the point of what Bear Skeeter is saying here. Going forward, he said, nobody is expecting T or Tyson to be the next Leach, Kelly, or Chow, but absent that genius to adjust on the fly between plays shouldn't and can't – uh Shouldn't and can't USC have a much more robust playbook slash options to respond to opponents' defenses uh, by the next series? And isn't this very doable even in mid-season? That's from Bear Secutor.
0: Oh, absolutely. I agree with that uh, 100%. We used to game plan when this person's in the game. We're going to run at this person. We're going to run away from that person. Or we're going to put that guy into the short side of the field by formations if they ran their defense a certain way. We would flip-flop either way to make sure we ran away from their best player or put him in a position where we could take advantage of what he does. That's part of game planning. I know that right now as far as, you know, if I'm looking at USC's defense and I'm I'm saying, where do I want to run? Well, I don't want to run isolation on Cameron Smith. I want to run it on Houston because he's a smaller type of back and I want to run my physical type of plays that way. There's all different ways that you – try to game plan personnel that you're playing against, both offensively and defensively. And You try to match up your defensive players. If a tackle can't pass block well, or inside they're not communicating, so you go with cross charges, or you do fake stunts or fake blitzes and get them thinking, and then when you do it, you get run right by somebody. All of these things happen in game planning and taking advantage of personnel, on where you are in the field. So I agree 100%. Uh I think that's great adjustments by uh, Michael Leach, and I think that uh, you have to expect that over there as a defensive coach because, uh, you know, you got to respect your opponent. you got to know that if I'm going to do this, he's going to do that, and that's what happens in the game of football. And if you're not doing that, then you're not doing a good job of coaching and you're not putting your players in a position to win. And we used to do that with cornerbacks. We'd know who can run and who couldn't run, who could cover deep and who couldn't cover deep, who can't come off a block and make a tackle. Everything was designed to run at weaknesses, not at strengths. And I think that's all part of what uh, I think we all see, and I'm sure as them as coaches try to game plan, and and, uh, at least I hope they're game planning on doing all this as far as putting their Offensive game plans and defensive game plans together along with special teams.
1: Yeah. Um, we could talk about special teams, uh, too, if you want. Um, we have like two more questions, but, um, you mentioned special teams. You know, Jenny Harris, I thought, well, actually, we have a question about this. So maybe we'll, we'll use this to talk about special teams. Tarek said, why not give Valus Jones or Trayvon Sidney a chance at punt returner? And I actually saw uh, Tyler Vons was catching punts, uh, doing a good job in practice this week. My guess was that he was going to be catching punts. Now, that didn't happen. It was Jana Harris who, I, whatever reason, he's the punt returner. He was hurt, couldn't play safety a couple weeks ago. He was a punt returner. He fumbles the first punt. Uh, he's a punt returner. He didn't catch a single one of them last week. He's still a punt returner. So it doesn't look like anything short of, like, a major injury is going to stop a Jenny Harris from being a punt returner. But maybe talk about Tark's question and then, you know, other uh, aspects of what you see on special teams.
0: Right. Well, we used to uh, decide what we wanted on a punt returner, the type of guy that we had we were facing as far as a punter. You know, sometimes you want to put a guy back there that just has hands. You're not expecting to return the punt. You just don't want the ball to roll to the one-yard line. So you put a guy back there that can think, know where he is on the field, and just fair catch it. Catch the ball. Tell everybody else to get away from it and know where he is, and that's it. You see that all the time, and we did that all the time. Just catch the ball. And Tyler Vaughn or whoever it is, looks like he has really soft hands when he made that nice catch in the end zone. It was really a smooth-looking play. It looked like an NFL receiver. And uh, and then we put guys back there that would – that we thought that had returnable type of punts, those type of punters. And uh, depending where we were on the field, we would put a guy in there that maybe could break a punt return. Uh, a, a guy that could catch the ball, but had the speed to uh, be elusive and break one or get us at least field position. And uh, I haven't seen really that happening. I don't know how they decided on Harris being the punt return guy. I don't, I don't do that. I don't. I'm not saying anything against him or anything, but they certainly haven't had uh, any punt returns, and uh, and uh, they haven't really allowed themselves to get any field position. In fact, the defense's field position in this game was absolutely ridiculous. Where they went in the game, as far as after fumbles and different things that happened, so I thought the defense played well that way. And thank goodness Oregon State couldn't kick a field goal where they blocked one. Otherwise, it may have been a closer football game. Because as I always say, if you encourage someone and you go in and you're close at half or you're close during the game, you start to believe you can win. Hey, these guys aren't any good. These guys aren't any good. We can beat these guys. That's the talk in the locker room, the chat in the locker room. So, you know, you can't, against championship teams when you have big games, you can't do that type of stuff. It just won't happen. You just won't win. One thing I can say, is penalty-wise, USC improved. They had four penalties, I think, for 40-some yards or something. That is one side of the ball that really went well.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there, Coach. I mean, you've got to find some positives, obviously, and uh, that was one of them, not a lot of penalties. And when you have a Pac-12 crew, there's always the potential for a lot of penalties, so that was nice. Um, And thanks for the question, Tarek. One last one about turnovers, and then if if you have any other thoughts on – the rest of the game, we can get you those, too. Um, Nick and Cypress, Big Nick, uh, 21 USC. How would you fix the turnover issues USC is having uh, with three turnovers versus a bad Oregon State team? And uh, the, we mentioned one was the Jenny Harris uh, muff punt. Um, Sam Darnold threw an interception where he didn't see the linebacker who cut across, and then uh, he also had a ball slip out of his hands, which he told Dan Weber uh, after the game. He's never had that happen in a game before in his life. It just basically, it looked like one of those football follies things where it just flew backwards. Now we did have a sack fumble that went all the way back to the one and Toa Lomondon jumped on it and saved either a safety or a touchdown or a very short field for Oregon State. So that was, uh, I mean, that was essentially another turnover because they, you know, USA had to take over at their own one. Um, but kind of get your thoughts on the turnovers coach.
0: Well, you know, you never want turnovers and obviously they don't do them on purpose, but you can't have them. You got to eliminate them. That's all individual mistakes or non-concentration or non-execution. Believe me, I I tell you, you just can't have that stuff. And luckily they were playing an opponent that couldn't capitalize on them. And, uh, otherwise you get yourself beaten. I'm going to tell you that right now. That just, no what points, are, no
1: say, points huh? off turnovers for Oregon State. They had zero points off turnovers despite getting the ball in, like, really good field position from USC.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, bothered me, what I was scared with, uh, with. When they got the ball in the six-inch line, the first play, Malapi carried the ball. I thought they had a safety. I said, how are they going to get the ball out of here? I really did say that the only way they're going to get the ball out of where they are is throw the football. The second play, they almost got another safe. Third down, they threw the ball out to Tyler Vaughn. He was short as far as on the first down, and that was it. They punted the football. But uh, I'm telling you, uh, that's a dangerous position to get the football. I almost was feeling it better to have a safety and let them punt the ball away than to give him field position for a touchdown. Now, I'm not hoping that anybody has a safety in Thank goodness uh Lovadon received or uh, went and got that football. But you gotta have ball security and you gotta you can't have things like that happen. You don't look like that's what gets people saying, Oh my god, look how terrible they look. Oh, that's terrible this is and it's embarrassing. But I don't know how ready USC was to play the game, and you know how you can tell that? By the excitement after the game. How excited were there were they that they beat Oregon State? Really? Uh The team after the game, were they jump up and down, Were they running up, did anybody want run up the ladder and play the band and all that stuff? No. was they all expected to beat them. The coaches, you know, I could see and I could tell that when Clay Helton came off the field, he wasn't proud of the performance of his team. He was embarrassed because he knew the type of questions and people, what they're going to say and do and so on about the team. Offensively, he went through that last week. Defensively, the whole thing, special teams, he knows that. So uh, that's the type of performance you're going to get uh, against a team that comes in and they read the same papers that everyone else does that's beat up and not any good. And they're coming off a loss at Washington State. And, you know, all of these things that make for that type of performance. And uh, luckily, they were able to uh, get the W, and now they better get ready for a tough game against the University of Utah. But those guys aren't intimidated about USC. Those guys can't wait to play USC, so they better get themselves ready.
1: Yeah, they had a tough one last night against uh, Stanford. Almost came back and won it. Um, Yeah, it was uh, it was good. You know, Stanford got a good win there. Uh, That was Utah's first loss, so they're going to look to bounce back uh, from that one for sure. Um, well, coach, any other kind of, I know you take a lot of notes and stuff from the game. Is there something that the question didn't cover or something you wanted to kind of bring up before we wrap up this, uh, Sunday episode?
0: Well, again, I want to congratulate Chase McGrath Graff, because I'll tell you, he is really kicking well. I mean, I have a lot of confidence with him now. What I mean, when he goes on the field before I was worried, Hey, he puts them right down in the middle. It's not like they're hitting the goalpost and going through. I mean, he's kicks. he's hitting the ball nice, his swing is nice, the hold is nice. It, it, it really is well done. So I want to uh, congratulate him. I, I really think he's done a great job. And I hope now that they have decided that their three receivers are Vaughn, Mitchell, and Burnett and follow. Maybe we'll get some turns in there. And they use a tight end more uh, along the way. Uh, they eliminate their mistakes and fumbles. They They correct their tendencies that we all talked about I think Jack Jones improved as far as the corner position but they didn't have anybody that could run by him and uh and that I don't think there was a pass interference in the game which which is good that's a first uh and I think they just got to get ready to improve and I don't, I don't know they got some things they got to as Clay Helton uses the term clean up they got to clean up well they better Clean some of these things up. because they're going to run into the meat of their schedule currently right now? Another tough Utah game, and then a bye week for Notre Dame, and they're off to South Bend. And I'm going to tell you, Notre Dame is playing great football right now. They have gotten better. They had a big win yesterday over North Carolina without their starting quarterback. Two backs rushed for 100 yards. They are getting very physical, and they're going to be a good. That's going to be a challenge for USC. So they better get it tuned up.
1: Yeah, they have to. And I think that's what people do want to see this team, uh, playing better. And we saw them last year do that. You know, the one and three start was horrific. We had so many emergency podcasts and people, you know, really, really not happy. And this year you just haven't seen it kind of take that next step. And then they're winning, uh, you know, five and one, three and one in, in the Pac 12. You've already played four Pac 12 North teams and you've got, and that's tough. And they've, you know the team's 3 and 1 um you know with a really tough one they could have won at Washington state i think if you look at overall um you know what we have there's actually we had a, a a question a late question come in this is more we wanted to get a little bit more positive let me get your thoughts on this coach and we'll let you go uh it's Randy from Redlands so so looking at the the other side of this cuz there's certainly a lot of people that are unhappy He said, long-time listener, second time writing in, I wanted to give you my take on the state of the USC football program. I'm really getting tired of all the fair-weather USC football fans. We get one loss, and they think the sky is falling and start asking for coaches' heads. Do they remember where this program was before Clay Helton and his staff took over? Do they remember we're coming off of sanctions? The staff only had one full year under its belt, and we had a 13-game winning streak. We won a Rose Bowl, and we ended last season ranked number three in the nation. Not bad for a staff that doesn't know how to coach. They have recruited well, and our numbers are back up. But although we have the numbers now, we don't have the experience depth to replace outgoing seniors and injured players. That will take some time. You look at a team like Alabama and Clemson that just reload every year. They're not reloading with freshmen and redshirt freshmen. Their players have been in the program for two or three years. That's a big difference. Look, I understand the traditions and expectations of this program, but if we had hired the experienced big-name coach that so many are clamoring for. We would have uh, gave him three or four years to turn this program around. Why can't we do the same for Clay and his staff? I think it's time for the fans and the Trojan family to stand behind this team and its staff. Love the podcast. Thanks for all you do. Fight on. Randy and Redlands.
0: Randy and Redlands said well. uh, Said well. I really agree with you. They have had a tremendous run. And they extended what their home winning streak to what 13 in the Coliseum, which is good. It's just that I think that uh, all of us, uh, uh, have expectations of, uh, of, uh, playing a perfect football game, which is impossible. And we re- realize that everybody's trying to win. At least we know that. And we know that everybody's trying to beat USC. And, uh, it's great place to play football but you're in that element where everybody's after you and uh, all we try to do is point out things that probably you see too and we see we've never uh, I don't think ever said I don't like Clay Hilton I love Clay Hilton I've never adv- advocated ever relieving any coach of his coaching position because I think that that's why they're there is to make these young people better individuals both on the field and off the field we basically just answer your questions, and and I'm agreeing with you on what your statement is as far as the the success that Clay Helton has had. I think he's 21 and nine, 29 and eight now uh, with his overall coaching record since he's been the head coach, which isn't bad. So uh, let's end with that, and uh, we're not trying to be negative. We're just trying to point out and answer your questions out there, and keep them coming in, Randy.
1: Yeah, thanks for that one, Randy. Yeah, I was kind of starting to talk about that, and I remember we got a late one in, so I figured I'll just read Randy's because that was good. uh That was good stuff there. So you get it. You get why people get frustrated, but you know when you look at the big picture, USC's in a better, way better position this year than last year. If things turn around and you see this team play to its potential, like we did last year, instead of having three losses and people talking about, man, if USC just wouldn't have lost that, it'll be this team is really that good. So they got a shot. Uh, you know, but the next two weeks are going to tell us a whole lot. So that's Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. It's pretty simple. Uh, thanks for coming on, Coach. Thanks to Southern California Tickets, SCTickets.com or give him a call at 1-800-888-7287. Coach, we'll, uh, talk to you again next week. Looking forward to seeing what you have to say about USC and Utah.
0: And thank you for all of you out there for being a part of our show. But without you, we don't have a show. So keep them coming in. Ryan, again, have a great week. And for all of you out there, be safe no matter where you are.
1: All right. Thanks, Coach, and thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We should do certainly a few more shows this week. We'll have Dan Weber. Uh, We'll have the Family Feud one with Keeley and Shotgun. Uh, We'll probably do a Utah preview and a question-and-answer show. So keep the questions coming. Thanks so much for those, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source.